0: it's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
3: Talking to others and letting them tell you what they've been through and what they're going through and what their goals and aspirations are. Um, That communication with others is, is quite invaluable. Okay, now I can hear you.
1: Got it. Now you can hear me. Okay.
3: Now I can hear you. <laughs> my headset was being wacky, so got it.
1: I it's something to do with my cable, so I'm basically in a yoga position. We'll see how long <laughs> I can last in this. Oh, no. But uh, no, I think it's a good. I think it's a good um, uh, description for how this podcast is going to go. <laughs> it's all Let's about do balance. This.
3: Yes,
1: it is. So, dear listener, we're this is our third, fourth, fifth attempt. Fifth? I think so. We'll say fifth. So, dear listener, this is our fifth attempt at trying to record this episode. And we're not even going to go into a bio because I would like the the master herself to please speak on her behalf, but I'm going to introduce Tara and the episode is all around finding your own voice, individuality, especially in terms of societal expectations. But Tara, if you do not mind, please just give us a little introductory line or snippet to yourself.
3: Absolutely. Thank so, you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I am Tara and I was born and raised in Canada. Um, thanks to my grandparents immigrating to Canada. Um, and I am the only child a, of a single parent. I have two children of my own as well as two grandchildren. Um, as Stuart was shocked to under, uh, no, I, I do not believe it. I do not believe it <laughs> at
1: all. I need your skincare routine. Like what do you sacrifice to the moon goddess or the now, sun? Now, god? if I told
3: you that I would have to kill you. So, you know, <laughs> that's <how it> goes. <laughs> uh, good genes. I think a lot of different, uh, genes. So that's, you know, one thing. Um, but yeah, I had, my great-great-grandparents um, immigrated here to Canada from Yabalusha, Mississippi. Uh, my great-great-grandfather, Jason Calvin Jones, he was one of the first Black teachers in Yabalusha, Mississippi. So that's the Deep South. Um, Can we and elaborate
1: might... <laughs> on that? The fact one of your Grace ancestors was a teacher of a person of color and probably one of the most racist places at that point in time to try mm-hmm. and establish themselves as their own entity and in the career of education was probably even just as hard how how does that make you feel what do you know about that or how has it influenced you in your life I'm sorry I'm jumping back into what we've already <laughs> <That's> talked <okay. laughs> about but it's such yep. an amazing an amazing story to tell
3: Yeah, I, you know, it definitely shows his uh, bravery to be himself, um, to help others learn, And uh, to go against the norm, um, so to speak. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think uh, that has really been carried down in our family a lot, is to be very independent, very forward-thinking, very, you know, welcome and warming to others. Um, So as I mentioned to you earlier, Stuart, uh, my great-grandfather, my grandmother's father, uh, was one of the first East Indians in Alberta. And he um, had helped other East Indians immigrate to Canada and adapt to Canadian lifestyle as well. And so he was very well known um, and he has a park and a uh, street named after him in Alberta um, because of of his work and his uh, love and care for others. So, yeah, Um, that has definitely highly influenced me in my job. Um, I am a project analyst for the government of British Columbia and uh, one of the big projects that I initialized was a project to eliminate the need for sex and gender codes to be used to identify individuals when they were um, getting health care in other provinces. So here in Canada, we have free health care. Mm-hmm. And if you travel to another province, you can use your home province health care card to get acute care services in another province if something happens to you. Um, And one of the requirements was uh, gender. And because of people being transgender or not identifying with the gender that is on their birth certificate or healthcare Mm -hmm. card, which would be registered via your birth certificate, um, there was a lot of issues with that, of course. And so um, I established a project with Health Canada and we eliminated the need for that, and no longer nationally. When you go in t- in another province, do you have to have your code, your gender code, match with what is on your healthcare card in order to have your services approved and paid for? So that saved a lot of uh, problems and issues <laughs> in many I, different ways.
1: <laughs> I cannot stop smiling as you're saying this. Why do you think this is such a beneficial thing to? so many people right now especially in this day and age and time the fact that you established this project that has now taken shape for when you say province it's basically the continent of canada what word would you even use because i can't i can't put into words
3: um well, I, th- I think it's, it's something that is necessary. And the reason I say that is because uh, everyone has their own identity. And in order for us to be free to uh, have others accept that identity, um, we need avenues for us to be able to express that identity. So if you're receiving health care and you're trying to get services um, that are for your health, Why would we have this stumbling block for you to receive this care and have you have to pay for this out of pocket when you may not have the funds or means to do so when we have free health care in Canada? And according to our act um, for health care is that that should be a service that is provided and given to you. Um, And there are no stipulations in that act that say we're going to not do that if you your gender does not match what is on your cards or your registration. Okay. There's nowhere that says that. So why would you have that in place?
1: So how do you feel like societal goals or measurements have contributed to the, to the um, what would you say, the, the pressure of individuals then in pursuit of a life success, or I guess, I guess the base root is happiness.
3: Yeah, you know, you think about it when we we go to school and we are raised, there are certain goals and um, I guess uh, attainments that we have to reach, um, such as like when you're one, it's accepted by by the time you're one that you should be walking and that you should have a certain set of words that you say. Um, In school, you've got certain grades that you're, you know, at this grade, you're supposed to be learning this, at that grade, you're supposed to be learning this, and if you're not, you're falling behind, or you're failing, or you're not doing it right, which does not leave room for individuals, so for those who learn at a different rate, or a different capacity. um, I think of when I was in school, I was one of these people that picked up things really quickly, and then teachers would repeat themselves over and over again for those who may need it. However, for me, I then got bored. So a <laughs> little bad, bad terror thing is I skipped a lot of classes in high school because I was bored of the teachers. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I've already got this nailed. I don't need to come to the next 20 classes that are discuss the same thing because it's like. I'm bored, um, and then I would go and do the exams and get a high grade, and the teachers would be pissed off. Like she skipped fifty classes, and yet she still can pass this. It's like why? Well, oh gosh, I got the at a opposite problem. <laughs> no,
1: I the opposite problem. If I'm bored, I would skip the classes, not because I understood, but because I was simply bored. And then we would go into the exam, and I would get like a passing grade, and they'd be like, "You don't even deserve." this how'd you get this <laughs> far I'm like I don't yeah. know but sorry I enjoyed inter-
3: brilliant in a different way right Low. and and that's the whole thing is I think that you know if we were all the same it you know society raises us the same we're supposed to be the same I think in it, it I mean, it's dependent on each country, but I think the bases are, the, are exactly the same, right? We have certain goals, certain ways you have to ascertain things. Um, and if we were all the same, if we all learned the same, if we all did the same thing, how boring would that be? Like, hello, if we were just these robots and we all looked the same, we all acted the same, we all did the same, we all achieved the same things at the same time. Like, no thanks. That would be like the most boring world ever. But then you have, a really, when you're in school, no one teaches you to be a comedian. But look at how funny it is to have a comedian to release stress, to release, you know, uh, other things that you're feeling, same frustrations you're feeling, right? So yeah, that's just, like, one example of, of, like, how you want society to be individualized and not, you know, the same. And so I think that's how I apply my thoughts to everything in life is that everyone reacts to things differently. Everyone does things differently. And it doesn't mean that we're not a contributing part of society because we don't fit into this box. It's like, let's get outside that box.
1: So then may I ask the question, what is the so-called normal? And when I say normal, I mean like accepted for societal goals, as you're saying society and how can that, in your perspective, in your profession, and what you see as like an overline view, be led to the inadequacy and failure that most people feel in life? And when I say that, I mean, we feel that in our everyday life, we're not doing enough, we're not good enough for our jobs, or we can't try and go for something because we're not at the point in our lives where we think we would be accepted. Am I, am I going off on a tangent or do you understand what I mean? No,
3: like I completely get it. Like, I think, you know, I think Thank the society Thank God because norms I are... do a
1: lot of <laughs> waffling, so.
3: I'm all for the waffle. I'm a big waffler as well. I could go off on these tangents like, yeah, like really far. So I totally, I totally understand that. So, um, but yeah, no, I think. You know, the societal norms are, okay, you're a, a woman, you're a man, you get married, um, you have children, you retire, and that's your life. Like, oh, wow, that is, like, so lame. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but, but... And for some people, that works. For some people. You're following the it, rules, yeah. you know, and that works for you. And But, but for, for some people, people, that's all they
1: want in life. For some yeah. people. Yeah,
3: yeah, they don't want anything outside of that. They they go and have their college education. And that college education gets them a high paying job. And then they have this great retirement fund. And then they can, you know, uh, do what they want. But then you think about it too. So I am a person that has not gone to college. And the reason for that was, again, I was a uh, only child of a single mother who didn't have the resources to send me to college. It wasn't kind of in the the scope of things i had some difficulties in high school Um, i also had some home issues as well so um, my mother is bipolar and with that came a lot of issues and so i went through some traumatic times as a child um and so for me going to college kind of wasn't in the cards i just started working as soon as i could so i worked um after school, at high school, at a daycare. And then when I got out of school, I worked for governments and for other private industries. Um, so I just continued to work my whole life. Um, and for me, I am in a government area where what for most positions are needed are these college educations and MBA and uh, uh, you know, BA, all these different uh, qualifications. Um, And you have these people that had this education. And then you have someone like me that has 35 years of work experience. And you weigh that. And I've had all this experience in all these different fields. I worked in, in telephone companies. I worked for a recruitment agency. I worked in a midwife office. I worked in retail. I did a bunch of different jobs. So I have this variety of knowledge and breadth of experience. And then you have someone that went to school with books that people have been learning from for the last, what, 50 years or more. The same books, the same regiment, the same kind of idea. So you have all these people that are in these high positions that are hired into these high positions because um, they have this college education. But they're all thinking the exact same way. So how do you progress and understand How the little man is feeling when you don't really have that knowledge or experience or um, relatable skills to bring that kind of knowledge up into those positions to make changes, to make policy changes, and to make uh, changes for the health and well being of the people you're representing in a uh, public industry. Mm -hmm. Right? So, So, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I think of all the time is like, and here I am, I'm coming in having a different perspective, because I have experience rather than just the education.
1: My question to you is, does your experience not lead to education? Because um, you're talking about um, people going off to like a university or a third level education or something more than what the individual would have in certain circumstances. I mean, But how is an early achievement going to push you towards a goal that in society is seen as you can't have this unless you have a, and excuse my profanity to all of my listeners right now, but the fucking piece of paper that's going to hang on your wall after you take off the (laughs) pretentious robe you pay 50 euros for. I don't know how much you pay over in America. But um, to rent a robe for your graduation is ridiculous. So <laughs> I yep. might not have I might not have rented one, but because I um, flirted with someone in something, I got one just for like the <laughs> event. But that is neither go. here nor there. That I will never accept <laughs> nor deny past this point. But I guess my question is like where do you see the fact that a societal expectation versus an actual goal which said i can do this because i am working hard i am just as qualified if i do not have a education that matches this person i am still intellectually as um inept i guess is the word not as um, available but inept, you know the exact same stuff because you have lived through it, you have worked through it, and you've been educated through the experience, not just seen in the classroom for that BA, that master's, that PhD.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, um, you know, I read an article somewhere where it was stating that um, three years of experience is equal to one year of university or the opposite. Maybe it was three years of universities equal to one year of experience. So I did,
1: when I did two years on a intensive film set, and I will tell you even three years on from that experience. Now I still have people come up to me being like, Oh, you've did this X, Y, and Z that. I'm like, yeah, but is the technology for my particular profession, not outdated. And they're like, no, we still are learning that now in school. And I'm like thinking, okay, wow. yeah,
3: It's crazy.
1: <laughs> Experience outmatches the classroom 100% in my personal mm-hmm. opinion.
3: Yeah, because again, like, yeah, like you said, it, it's completely outdated. People have been learning from the same textbooks, from the same information for centuries. And, you know, what has that done? It hasn't improved anything. Um, but the people that have been like in the trenches. So I started very humbly at, at, you know, very small jobs. And then progressively, as I got more experience, I raised up my positions and now I'm working for the government and I'm in this analyst position and I've got a new position starting, um, July 10th and I'm going to be a senior project management analyst
1: now. So Congratulations. thank you sorry Sorry. yeah I just wanted to (laughs) put that into the podcast like congratulations
3: yeah Yeah. so you know it's it's not impossible to to reach those goals with just experience and it's not impossible to make changes um it's just for everyone to be open to that and that's where you know you have to change some people's minds because um some people are like I said like we talked about earlier are okay with that standard and those, you know, those limitations and, and the rules and all that and follow those in a straight line. Um, there are people that follow the straight line, but then there are all these people that are all on the sides of those lines going, Hey, well, what about this? And what about that? And I think we need to incorporate more of that into some of the jobs and roles that are out there, no matter what profession it is. Um, I think it's, it's highly necessary to keep an open mind and look at the bigger picture because the picture is always changing. Look at this, the scale of our system, you know, through COVID um, and how everything changed. So, you know, people aren't ready to, to embrace change and to look at change and see how it can be more beneficial for us then that's where you know having that straight line and following those rules can keep you a little bit stagnant.
1: Um, just a very cool question there. How do you think COVID has changed the, not so much the trajectory, but the idea or the mentality that people need to be more light on their feet to change? Because, and I hear this all the time, whenever I'm with clients, it's the fact that once the pandemic hit and they need to shift from one certain perspective of marketing to another because you know mm-hmm. my field is in um um let's say design and marketing and trying to brand something that they need to immediately change their whole scope to another perspective for their client how do you feel th- that has shifted in your profession covid has well, made us think a lot more digitally but yes. i think yeah. introspectively we need to think a lot more exponentially in the effect we have on the wider community and by that i mean uh, the freaking world Elon Musk, <laughs> as far as Mars. I don't know how deep we want to go into this, how much do we in, want to go existential- into the submarine. <laughs> I do not think we want to go that far, but existentially, yes, let's go as far as the Titanic.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think. For COVID, for one thing, yes, it did make people look at different ways of communicating, different ways of doing business. Um, the work from home, the hybrid situation. Um, I know uh, for our ministry, especially, um, we have, we are led by uh, we are led by deputy ministers in our ministries, and he is more of a in person, you know, viable, reacting to people, energies off each other. And the idea of people okay. working outside of that area was a very hard thing for him to imagine. Um, uh-huh. So that that was hard. So we had to, we were forced to for a certain time. But then when you know, we're, COVID was dying down and people were getting vaccines, et cetera, um, the push to come back into the office was quite large. It was quite great. It was like, we want to see you, we want to have this interaction. Um, but people were reluctant to do that because they did find new ways of working from home or that yeah. it was more efficient for them or that you know they could actually be more productive because for some people who have, like, for, ex- for instance, anxiety, they don't have that anxiety of having to interact with people and they could be in their comfort of their home and be able to still do their work without having the excess anxiety of being i'm going to
1: i'm going to interject with this and i do i i fully agree if i could do my job from home without having to interact with um certain individuals or new individuals like i'd probably feel a lot happier but is Mm -hmm. there not a level of expansion in personal growth with that kind of interaction where you have to face, face, face with um, clients, with other co-workers to not only develop, let's say, a workplace environment, but also personal growth. So how do you, and I guess this is a lot of people's, um, uh, let's say, argument for the whole thing is, how do you combat people who want to work from home simply because it's simpler, versus people who want to work from home simply because they're more productive?
3: Yeah. It, and it's finding that balance, um, you know, mm-hmm. a balance between um, working in the and so that there is remote work and then there's hybrid work. And I think the hybrid work is something that'll be, I think, more acceptable because, again, like you said, it is that interacting with people and growing and learning from people. So I can I can talk to someone on a like, a text version whatever you have with whatever your work has uh, and, and text with someone and, and bounce ideas off that way but when you're actually looking at someone into their eyes and then you're like you're expressing energy back and forth it is a completely different way of communicating it's not Very the different same dynamic. at all yeah Yes, it's a completely different dynamic. And so, yeah, there is that balance of, yes, I'm feeling comfortable at home, but if I came into work, let's say two days a week, then I do have that opportunity to interact with people and exchange that energy and have a way better learning experience and and physically show people what I can do. Like you can do stuff on a computer and send things via email, etc., But when you're actually showing someone what you can do uh, on the computer and explaining it and how you did it it, it's a it's a totally different thing so yeah it's so it did change how we do things but you know what is good and what is bad it's it's finding that balance and finding out what's best for everybody and and that could just depend on the job as well Mm -hmm. you know
1: definitely so are there any like um strategies or alternative alternative perspectives that could help individuals you know cope with pressures um for uh, workplace environments societal expectations in general i mean because i'm coming literally off a course now where i was with a bunch of actors it was a very great immersive experience but a lot of the time i found people, individuals, were saying, Stuart, stop looking at me. It was a case that <laughs> I I needed and I demanded the eye contact in certain scenes for certain acting, let's yeah. say, classes. And they're like, mm-hmm. why do you need this kind of um, experience or why do you need to have this sense of um, connection when yeah. we're literally just like trying to commune with each other, so I guess my question for you is like, how can your perspective and individuals' perspectives, you know, like work together in some expectation that could be a work goal, a personal goal? Sorry, Stuart, stop waffling. <laughs> you can say. I that. think I
3: know where you're. Tra- I, I think I think I know where you're trying to go with that. But yes, like. I, I'm the same way. I um, establish eye contact with people because I want them to know that I'm invested, that I am interested in listening to what they say. And I do actually listen better when I'm actually having eye contact with somebody. And for some people, it, they don't find that comfortable. Um, and that's again, a societal thing. Like um, if a if girl looks at you and compliments you, it's like, oh, automatically they're interested in me. Well, no, they're maybe just wanting to like talk to you and you know show their interest in in a platonic way. It doesn't have to be like this. Everybody has to make everything so sexual when it's not. It's just normal, yeah. and and that again comes from pressures from society. Is like, okay, if somebody does this or somebody does that, then that's what they mean. Um, a good example is like when you're a kid and. Um, you know, a boy teases you and you go home and your mom says, oh, yeah, well, he likes you because he teased you. Well, it, it, that's that's kind of screwed up if you think about it, because it's like saying I, I'm not valuable as just a human being and a friend. I'm only a sexual being. And that's you know, so we have all those things that are kind of ingrained from us from when we're younger, and that's what we think. And so yeah. for some people, it can be an uncomfortable thing, because of that's what they're, they're thinking. Um, you know, you know, I have, let's, uh, what can I give an example? Um, I had a boss once that I got along really well with, he was married, I'm a single person. And some people thought it was like a weird relationship that we got along so well, but we just thought the same. We were, you know, we kind of worked in the same way. Um, so, and that's because people have to take it at that way. And why do they have to do that? Why can't we just be friends and work colleagues that get along well? You know, Yeah. so, yeah, so I can see that where, you know, when you're going into an office and you're working in this environment, you've got all these different personalities. And again, it's a thing about being open and realizing that not everybody is the same. Everybody is different and we should embrace those differences. Um, and it's been a generational thing that's progressively gotten better, but in some ways gotten worse because of the, the high influence from, you know, back in the day. So you have a grandmother that says certain things that should be way. So then the parent thinks that and then the child thinks that. And then this this generational kind of attitude and influence goes down this line. Um, You know, you think of kids that are being bullied as well. It's because they've been told, oh, you're not right if you do this. This is not right. So then they think if they see that from a kid, oh, you're doing it wrong. So, you know, they bully you or whatever. But And then the, the person that's getting bullied is is feeling bad and feeling angry and upset. But then you but you have to think of it, what the other person has gone through. This is all they knew. This is how they were raised. And so it, it's very hard um, changing that. And then some people, when they grow up and they get out of their familial kind of environment, and um, they're on their own and they talk to other people, and they live with different people and have different experiences working. That. Then they understand, okay, that's not normal. And that's not what I should do. I should be more open and loving and understanding that people are just different
1: and everybody's could different. Give, could I give an example to this, which I think might sure. be beneficial. So yeah. um, it's to do with my father actually and my cousin. So my cousin came out as gay at a very young age in Ireland, mm-hmm. which was seen as very taboo at the time you know mm-hmm. like he had so many friends very popular came out with his sexuality lost everyone instantaneously mm-hmm. now my father grew up in a certain mentality from not only an Irish perspective but he had to And when I say had to he was forced to move over to England to live um, X Y and Z for whatever experience but anyway uh, let's say met my mother, we have a whole family, X, Y, and Z. My cousin mm-hmm. now came out as gay decades later. My father mm-hmm. makes comments about my cousin constantly, and they come across as very um, infeminate and homophobic. And yep. my cousin at one point called him out, and then I called him out for my sexuality. And he mm-hmm. was like, I accept and I love ye X ex- Wine Z, so much because you know, you are my family, you're my blood. I will never ever go against you. Mm -hmm. And we were like, So, why do you talk like this? And he was like, That's how I was raised. You know, like so many people around me were homophobic, were transgender, were not accepting of anyone who was not looking like them, sounding like them, acting like them. I was Mm -hmm. not for that. But if I've ever said anything to offend you, it was never an intention. It was just how I've grown up. I was treating you like one of the men, one of the boys, one of the family. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So it's very interesting when you say generational that some things can be accepted and you're still accepted wholeheartedly, but it still comes across as... Very condescending or very abrasive or discriminatory.
3: Yeah and and you know what that that happens with people with different religions and different religious backgrounds 100 good example yeah yeah very
1: good <laughs> yeah it's the same with
3: my family like their religious background as well like they weren't very open to that and um i have two bisexual children and you know i am very open to i you know i have lots of friends who are either transgender or gay or lesbian or whatever and you know, I for me it was just like I love everybody no matter what. That's that's who I am. Um, I'm not a person. You know, when you say oh you hate someone, I don't really hate anybody in this world. Uh, I think hate is actually a, quite a strong word. I am very much you know loving and open, and and I think that's a choice that you have to make. And you know, one thing I do know is because I you know did study the Bible as growing up uh, religious in my family, um, there is a, a passage in the Bible, and it's it's in there many times is to love one another unconditionally and nowhere in the bible does it say you know because they do this or further you don't love them unconditionally it doesn't say that anywhere find it for me because i tell you it's not in there no matter what we are to love one another unconditionally And that is how I live my life is loving one another unconditionally. Now that doesn't mean I get along with everybody. And that doesn't mean that everybody's my best friend because there's different personalities and sometimes they just don't click. But if somebody needs something or if somebody has some quirk about them or whatever, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is their heart and soul. And that's what I love.
1: As someone who is agnostic, to hear that, um, I wholeheartedly agree. And I agree with so many people who are very much faith based in their everyday mm-hmm. life. If someone, you know, has a certain lifestyle, songs are not consumed with haste, neither should mm-hmm. you be. And I, <laughs> I hate to say it because it always comes back to such a very facetious and very condescending comment but do you ever remember the show X Factor with Simon Cowell (laughs)
2: yes
1: you remember it okay okay no 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 wait wait for it it gets gets worse it gets worse so my comment on hate comes from this do you remember Sharon Osbourne you know Sharon Osbourne
3: yes oh yes yes
1: of course, yeah, 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 the queen that she is. Bubbles. So
3: bubbles, sure. Bubbles not the of darkness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so she she was a judge on the UK um, X Factor at one point, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she ran off the show, and she basically spouted out this one comment, which I live by, which is, hate is too close and too strong an emotion to love, and I hate. And it was a judge next to her that she was saying, um, whoever she was at the time. I think it was a Kylie Minogue sister, Danny Minogue. And she was like, I hate Danny Minogue. And I was like, okay, so do you (laughs) hate her? Do you love her? Like, what way are you going with this girl? But I live by that. It's that it's such a strong emotion. Do not use it unless you're using it for a positive aspect. So when you're talking about the fact that you should treat everyone equally. Yeah. And give them at least some time of day that they're living their own experience, and unless they're mm-hmm. trying to cause you harm, then it's yep. it's accepting.
3: And I have. To I to went say, off like... on a
1: waffle again. I apologize. <laughs> go on. Go I have on. to
3: say for that for hate, just just as a point for hate, hate comes from a place of passion, and without you a doubt. still care about someone if you hate them. So if you yes. don't even care about them at all, you don't hate them. You just don't care about their existence at all, and I, you You've, know, I have to say, I don't hate anybody, but I do have one person in my life that I, I do not care about their existence at all.
1: So I, take that I as recent, you will. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I totally understand that because I had someone who I, let's say, I gave them a decade of my life to. We were best friends. We um, did everything together. It was that kind of relationship where we thought we, you know, we were endgame. Mm -hmm. kind of best friends you know nothing sexual just totally platonic fraternal and Mm -hmm. then everything fell apart for x y and z reasons and we saw the toxicity in each other's individuality that did not Mm -hmm. help our lives and he came up to me one day and this wasn't long ago and he said why do you hate me so much and my instantaneous reaction was i don't hate you i just don't Mm -hmm. think about you
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: You cannot give so much of your energy to someone who is no longer in your life to say you mm-hmm. hate them. If you don't think yeah. about them, they do not take up your space. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. And sometimes you have to do that for your own protection as Without well. Without like,
1: a doubt, yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, like I have a, I have an uncle who is just, he is a, what I call a soul sucker. He wants to suck everything out of everybody and blame everybody for everything and make your life as miserable as possible. And, you know, I gave him my time and energy and my mom and my other uncle did as well. And it came to the point where you, we had to cut him off. Like I cut him off earlier and kept telling everybody you should too, um, but it took them a while to get along to that but you know when someone is is draining everything out of-
2: How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact,
0: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com.
3: Of you, um, and not providing any value to your life, there comes a point where they have to leave your life no matter what and, and what is cut them the one, off yeah
1: but what sorry for cussing you off Okay. <laughs> what is the one golden rule in what you've just said family <laughs>
3: <comes> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you yeah. know i was gonna say it you know i was gonna but, say it
3: but but you know what i always say when when he tries to contact my mother and yeah. disturb my mother do not engage the beast
1: Uh, no, like 100% agree with you. Family is not a golden rule or a Willy Wonka yep. golden tickets to the exception.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even family can, you know, sorry, but you're done.
1: <laughs> it could amplify to the pressure of trying to like conform to yep. what everyone expects you to do. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm, exactly, and I think that's what took you know my mom and other uncle so long was we're like that's our brother and we're supposed to love him and we're supposed to care for him because he's younger than than both of them, um, so that's our duty as his siblings. Well, not when he is you know causing such pain and such heartache and you know really disrespecting your life and your the way you live no that's not acceptable
1: then are there any like pressures to conform to societal familial goals that have distorted I guess the best way to put it is a self image or identity Mm -hmm. crisis for like oneself like how does Mm -hmm. that affect your mental health in general or what advice would you give someone who is going through something that we have gone through
3: Yeah. Like, you know, I felt that like when I left my religion and put that behind me and forged my own life, there was a a, real hardship for me because I had friends in the religion as well as family members. Um, So having to forge forward without uh, their, I guess, their embrace and their love, I, I thought it would be like a black and white thing that 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 would be no more and i would be on my own life and i would be on my own and have to do my own thing um but it wasn't the case i I realized there could be a balance and that i accept what they want to do and how they want to live their life according to the religion um, and they accept what I want to do. And we have this kind of unspoken thing. So my mom was always trying to, uh, for a while there, bring me back and and preach to me, et cetera. And I was, we came to an agreement that, that she wouldn't do that. And if I wanted to come back, I would come back on my own and that she would still have to love and accept me as I am. And that was the agreement we came to. And I love and accept what she does and I give it respect. And, um, you know, like, for instance, um, for when she dies, she's there's a certain thing that has to be done. And the, the I guess the elders in her congregation were like, you know, why do you have your daughter as, as the person who's going to make these decisions when she's not, you know, following the religion? And my mom was like, I trust my daughter to follow through with my wishes. And I have no doubts about that because I respect her and her wishes. And she respects mine, so you know we have this that same agreement, and so that can be accomplished, but it does take a lot of communication, a lot of being open and vulnerable. And sometimes there's fights. Sometimes you don't talk to each other. There was there was times where I wouldn't talk to my mom for a whole month. Um, now I talk to her like every single day. <laughs> so you know, yeah. yeah, there's you know there's there's things that this you know, that happens. And so it it can be done, but it requires both parties to be open to that and to be able to be respectful and open and honest. And, you know, at times, you know, it's hard for my mom, like she'll call me and she's like, I want to talk to you about this, but I can't. And she cries. And then we have to like, end the conversation because it's too hard for both of us. So, you know, that's, that's a fact of life. Yeah. is a that second. blowing you your mind of, right
1: now <laughs> yeah no you kind of just like gut punched me with this but I'm I'm, I'm I'm going to ask the question so do you think it's a generational thing or a societal or individual thing that we need to have these conversations with because recently i had the exact conversation with my dad where i sit him down and be like I understand you've come from X, Y, and Z. I understand you're accepting of both what I identify as, what my brother does, what my cousin does, and you want to be a father to all of us, but I cannot accept the way you do it and your tone and your whole mindset behind it. It does not help anyone in general by yourself dealing with your trauma with your own father and family. So do you think it could be a societal generational or individual aspect that people need to learn to grow from? I think That's it's a question. bit of everything.
3: Yeah. I think it's a bit of everything. I think they all play a part in, yeah. in how people are, you know, it's, you can't really pinpoint it to be one or the other. I think it it's all of it all together. and, you know, it's just, you can't, you can say that it's societal norms, but then it's religious norms, and then it's generational things. And we're trying to fight the power of those generational um, upbringings. And, you know, it happens. There's changes made every day. Then there's backwards going, and then we go forward again. Um, so it's it, it's always a constant battle against all of those elements. And we just Girl, have to be... It was l-
1: no like it was illegal to be gay until the late 1990s here so i understand that
3: yeah yeah and you know but we but we keep going and we keep fighting and i think that's the thing is like do you want to fight or do you want to just accept how things are And I think as as individuals, that's where you have to question in your own mind is, do I want to go against the societal norms? Do I want to go against my religion? Do I want to go against my generational upbringing? Or do I just want to just fold and say, I'm just going to go in this line and keep going and keep making um, those same decisions and same thoughts, you know, and yeah, so that's, I think that's what you have to do is you have to decide for yourself what you want to do and how you want to make the world better or if you just want to just conform.
1: Uh, Can I be very transparent with you? Absolutely. Particularly. Yeah. So um, there's such a pressure from each individual to conform to societal goals, but you can't. And you were saying... You know, like what the world expects from me. But how do you lead your life away from such a distorted self-image of what you are expected to be to who you actually are meant to be? Because a lot of the stuff I put up on social media is, you know, you have a passion and a purpose. You need to figure out if your passion is, you know, inclined towards your purpose or how you can live a fulfilled life for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to fulfill external expectations from from family, society, it distorts how we feel about ourselves. If we're accomplished enough, successful enough, if we're good mm-hmm. enough, our self-worth diminishes immensely. So how like can you find your own societal goals when you feel so distorted from who you're meant to be versus who everyone else expects you to be?
3: It's the ultimate question. Like, you know, it, it's different for everybody. You, there, I don't think there's any set way of doing anything is this that you set this path for yourself, and you either determine that no matter what challenges come your way, or what, you know, influences come your way, you're set on this goal, and you're going to just be that kind of person. And, you know, I had to say it, but a lot of it comes with age and maturity, um, and being through life and, you know, seeing, you know, when, when you've said something different to someone, how they reacted, and was it okay? Was it the end of the world? Um, you know, there's always that thing where you can approach someone and ask them a question, like, for instance, asking someone out or whatever, the worst they can say is no, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to do anything else, but say yes or no. Um, so you have to decide for yourself, am I okay with that? No. And can I move on from that? And, you know, you have to make that, that decision to just be okay with everything. For instance, for myself, I was always, uh, I struggled with my weight my whole life. It's just been one of the things that I've, I've struggled with. Um, and when I was younger, it, it, for me, it did make a difference because I had these, Um, very, you know, skinny, attractive cousins, and for me, I always felt like the ugly duck. I always felt like, okay, I was the only one who was overweight. I was the only one that was like this, and so, you know, okay, poor me. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be like this, Um, and, you know, guys wouldn't look at me the same way as they did with other girls and stuff like that, so what was the thing that could make me stand out? well, I like to dance, I have a bubbly personality, I have all this. So I had to make sure that I loved those parts of me. And it it does come from an internal love and acceptance of yourself and who you are. Um, And then saying, you know what, I'm, I'm good with that. And, you know, I'm going to be okay with who I am. And if nobody likes it, then that's fine. But there's always going to be people that like it. Because, You know, and you may not run into all those people that do Uh, like, for instance, I think um, here in BC, we're very active, we're very, so there's not a lot of guys that like women who are plus size, but in the States, uh, it it seems to be a big thing. It's like all these guys like plus size women, blah, blah, blah. So it it all depends like where you live, where you are, Um, but you just have to be uh, kind to yourself be kind to yourself. I'm always saying to people, just, you know, be kind to yourself and your heart and let yourself be who you are and accept that. And it's always gonna be a battle. I have my down days too, we all do. And you have to realize that everybody has them, no matter how good someone may seem on the outside, like on social media, people seem like, oh, they have the greatest relationship. They They have their bad days too. We all do. And we I'm sorry, we all go to the toilet. So, you
1: know, like... Stop reading my diary right now. So okay, I, I promise. I do need to take one step back and you were saying about sure. accepting yourself. And no, do not be sorry because you've hit it on such a point that I wish a lot of people, let's say, knew a decade beforehand. And when I say a lot of people, I mean myself in general. I'm being very <laughs> selfish with this one. But when you're saying about, you know, um, trying to find someone who finds you attractive, it's about finding yourself attractive and being loved by yourself. And then you'll feel powerful and you'll find the people who will find you attractive in yourself. And you're saying like people in your general area, at whatever point in time you didn't think were for you. And you found like other people in a wider scope would find you attractive. But it's not. It's about you yourself loving your body image, your personality, your individuality. Yeah. If exactly. more people could figure out that, then mm-hmm. the world would be a much much happier place. But do yeah. you think that there are maybe certain signs or symptoms than individual, um, not even let's say between the ages of thirteen to nineteen, but between the ages of nineteen to 69 could indicate you know they're struggling with pressures from external or societal expectations that wait maybe i'm trying to appease another person or Mm -hmm. just what i thought everyone expected from me do you think there are any any like kind of red flags should we say
3: I wouldn't necessarily call them red flags, but there are definitely like these pressures, like you said, to societal norms to be a certain size, a certain weight, a certain way. And, and that's, that happens no matter what age you are. I do think it's uh-huh. very difficult for teenagers because of all the hormonal changes they're going through. And then 100%. you have women that that are like myself going through menopause, I'm having a an immense amount of hormonal changes. And it it affects the way you think about yourself. And it it does affect the way that you think um, you should be so you're very um, conscious of what everyone else is expecting or what you think, they're expecting so we we do have this you know thing that said, well we we know that so and so doesn't like us because they haven't talked to us in two days or you know they didn't say hi to me in the right way so that that means they don't like me well no they could be going through their own difficult times and they just didn't you know consciously be aware that maybe you needed them more than than they thought you yeah. did right um so yeah it's it's like this Yeah, like I said, it's this constant cycle, constant battle, and we have to do it every day, and it is a a big struggle. Um, But I think as more people become more open-minded, as we fight these challenges and that, it will become easier to be ourselves because people will accept us more and will know that they accept us. And I think that is a good kind of thing about social media is that. You know, uh, we see people talking about their ADHD symptoms and that. And people might think, oh, well, I thought it was abnormal because I was doing that. But I see like all these other people saying they had the exact same symptoms or people saying, oh, well, you know, I think this way. And you're like, oh, okay, then I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this world. Our little world that we live in, in whatever country or city we live in, is very, very small, no matter how big the city, no matter how big the country, no matter how small the country, it, it is very small and when we open up to see everybody else on this outside world we see that you know we've opened up things where we're finding connections with people that we resonate more with um you know for instance when i found your TikTok, i resonated with a lot of things and so you know it's just and otherwise i wouldn't have met you right so that's yeah i think that's what will happen it's just this gradual process that takes forever like change is always a long journey it is not something that happens overnight it's it's a it's a constant marathon
1: shut up (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) no
3: no no.
1: i fully agree with it but it's the fact that when we are we acknowledge the fact that our journey to feel good about ourselves to feel fulfilled the life in general, it is a marathon. It is yeah. not a sprint. You cannot do nope. 200, 500 meters and it's done. And you will feel the best you will ever feel. And that's the only way you'll ever feel from that point on. It is a marathon of ups and downs. It's not even a marathon, if I can yeah. be so bold as say, as it's a um, trail run. Mm-hmm. You will go up the hills, you, the bends, the mm-hmm. mounds. You will fall yeah. in the ditches, fall on the potholes. But as someone not only coming from a very, very strong place of individuality as a mental health advocate, but also as a professional person who's trying to push this idea of, you know, people get to have the life they want by being accepted for who they are. Mm -hmm. What? I had it there in my head. Give me a second. I can find (laughs) it again. Yeah. I, I I fell into the fact that I was talking about trail running and I was like, mm, maybe I should go trail <laughs> oh, running yeah. tomorrow. I haven't <laughs> done it in quite a while. There um, you go. For the societal goals that we've had, are there any are there any essential things that we should prioritize in our well-being? Or some practices and self-care routines that you would, you know, emphasize that people should try and incorporate into their everyday lives.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Take time to be by yourself. Um, You know, even if you're single and you're alone anyways, or you're, you know, with friends or you're outdoors or you're at work, take time to just be in your own space, in your own head. And I know that can be difficult at times for those who are going through a lot in their head, but working through those issues by yourself and letting yourself rest. Oh, oh God, like I, you know, rest. I was a mother that you know always did things for her kids and her husband, um, and then you know for my grandchildren and my mother who was disabled. So I'm always doing stuff for other people all the time, and it was burning me out. It was, you know, I was burnt out, and I was not functioning well as I should. Um, And I realized that I just needed to be okay with taking some rest. Like if I've had a hard week at work, I've been out a couple of times and stuff like that. If I don't do anything on Saturday, if I don't, you know, do my dishes, if I don't eat properly or whatever for that one day, it's not going to end of the world. It's not going to kill me. It's, you know, I need that. I need to recharge. And um, you know, that, that old adage you can't give from an empty cup. If you don't take time to fill your cup, it's, it's very dangerous. And I think we all have that in us, no matter where we are, is that we're always serving others um, because that's just the way we, we are. It's good to serve others. It's good to give because it's, it's, you know, it's something coming from a loving place, but remember to turn that love back upon yourself.
1: Can I, can I go from that? Um, you're saying a loving place. So how do you maintain that boundary? Because boundaries, yeah. people see a lot <laughs> of the time as rejection to themselves, themselves forth. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a case of saying, I do love you. I respect you. But I need yeah. this particular space for myself to, as you're saying, rejuvenate, to replenish, yeah. to fill my cup so I can help again or I can give more mm-hmm. again
3: yeah and i think it's just the way you communicate that um you know if you're communicating that in a gentle way and just saying you know I, it's not that i don't gentle love you, way. it's not that i don't yeah
1: oh gosh that's you where know? i'm going wrong i'm usually like <laughs> fuck off, <laughs> off or...
3: leave me alone <laughs> I you mean, have you can five seconds right you, but you may alienate some people right so <laughs> yeah it's a gentle like I love y'all you mean this much to me but i gotta go over here for a minute because if it, i don't i may strangle you
1: <laughs> i i think it might be the irish thing that where like the two words feck off means so much and like it's yeah. how you perceive it right now okay exactly. you'll either end yeah. up in the ground or you we will end up hugging however you want but yeah. feck yeah. off sorry before yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry.
3: And, and, and that's true. Like you know, um, <laughs> you know, people always say the Canadians are are polite because we say sorry all the time. Sometimes sorry means like sorry you're an idiot. <laughs> you know. Like,
1: <laughs> oh no you're like you're very condescending as a nationality as a like a whole continent like i've never met anyone who is so good at being sarcastic and double-handed as the canadian like you will bitch slap someone and they will yeah. still say thank you thank you for
3: exactly that. exactly <laughs> it's all in the delivery
1: <laughs> but sorry i'm so sorry for like taking us off track again
3: Waffle! Oh look, a
1: butterfly. But what yeah. what advice would you give someone to like set healthy boundaries so people will know that you're not prioritizing yourself over the whole relationship, but just to maintain the relationship?
3: Yeah, I, I think just just telling people to, to take time for themselves and to realize that they're important to you and they're valuable. And if you don't um, assign yourself some value, no one else is going to do that for uh-huh. you. Um, so you have to do that your own self. You have to assign yourself value and determine what your value is. Um, you know, nobody, like I said, nobody else is going to do that for you.
1: Are there any resources that you would tell someone to, um, not so much rely on, but stay informed with or continue learning for mental health mm-hmm. and self-care practices in general? Like, I'm not saying, like, give a link. I'm just saying, yeah. like, how can someone better... Well, I, you know,
3: I definitely think reading um, self-help and reading other stories is a good thing. I am um, very much a visual... Um, physical learner. So I I like learning things um, in a tangible way. So I, you know, for me, it's just years of experience, um, you know, experiencing life and talking to others. I do like this, this aspect of, you know, people are now hearing my stories and hearing my ask, my, um, you know, how I relate to things and how I view the world and how I, you know, go Away in my life and and do the things that I do. Um, hearing other people's stories is is really quite interesting, and I think you can learn a lot from talking to others and letting them tell you what they've been through and what they're going through and what their goals and aspirations are. Um, that communication with others is is quite invaluable, and and maybe that's listening to podcasts like this, um, you know, and and hearing those stories for themselves and um i think that's that's a really valuable tool that we have and again that's like social media coming to the <laughs> coming to the rescue i guess like you know
1: coming to the rescue or at the detriment yeah. of the individual yeah it
3: depends on depends on how <laughs> you use it and utilize it right so
1: <laughs> what experience or like has there been any obstacle or setback in your past that you can say that you've utilized this in your own personal life if you don't mind me asking you can just say yeah sure, cut this out we don't want to use this.
3: <laughs> I, like i said i went through some difficult times when i was younger so my mom is bipolar and um there was a time where she um left home and uh, it was quite a jarring experience for me because i at that point i was uh 13 years old and I didn't realize that she was having mental health issues. I didn't really understand what they were. Like I, I heard it in my life, but I, you know, uh, back in the eighties, it wasn't something that a lot of people talked about. It was yeah. not very open. Um, and so she had run away and, and she came back and nobody really talked about it. I stayed with my aunt and uncle for a little while. My uncle knew because he grew up with her. He knew what was going on with her. Um, And and I had asked, and I guess because of how old I was and that, I wasn't really told anything. Um, And then there was another incident a few years later, and um, it was a lot more serious this time. Um, She had attempted to take her life, and um, I found her. And so when I went to stay with my uncle this time, because she got admitted to the hospital, I demanded to know what was going on. So And that was the first time I had heard uh, bipolar disorder. Um, so I educated myself on that to figure out what bipolar was and understand it more. And then, of course, that led into learning more about other um, mental health issues, etc. And I think coming to an understanding that we all have these um, traumatic things that we may be dealing with, um, in, in fact, that experience for me was very traumatic, um, and that affects the way we are. Um, really opened my mind to um, understanding other perspectives. Um, because yeah. again, like I said, I didn't know about that, and I didn't know what it was. Um, so having to learn it because of you know my life experience, that was you know something very eye opening for me. So, yeah.
1: I think the for that immense story that amazing story is um, the word accepting that you used yeah. that this happens and it's eye opening yeah. do you ever feel that you know is there any advice you'd give to the listeners who may be seeking ways to prioritize their own mental health but they need to be aware that they need to open their perspective to the wider situation which is their life
3: yeah i think acknowledging first of all that either you or somebody you know has meant a mental health syndrome and accepting that as part of yourself and then trying to you know do what you can to uh, address it so mental health issues come in various forms, they can be chemical, they could be environmental, they can, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can, um, you know, have mental health issues. And so there's variety forms of depression, etc. Some are chemical based. And so accepting the fact that you may need a chemical enhancement, some kind of drugs or whatever to help you. um, But then also knowing that you may have to do other work such as exercise, or, you know, Having a routine for for some people, having a, a schedule and a routine helps them keep on track and gives them that security and safety. Yeah. Um, so whatever you need to do to help address your mental health and accept that this is just a part of you and it doesn't make you weird or strange or bad, that it's just something that you are. Um and unless again comes you back to, to, to that
1: unless you have to have a routine of throwing yourself into the lake every two or three days.
3: (laughs) But that's, but that's what helps you, right? Um, That's something that helps your mental health. So you're doing what you need to do to address your mental health issues. Um, And, and maybe that's just one of the things that you have to do compared to, you know, and (laughs) there's other things that you have to do. So but you've accepted that that's who you are. And maybe to you, it's quirky, but maybe to others, it's, it's, hey, yeah, maybe I need to do that as well. Maybe that will help me. Um, So learning from others as well um, can help. And I think that's why it's so great that you're very open with your, your mental health issues and your struggles and how you deal with your mental health, because then it does help others. And I think as we're sharing stories, as we're gathering information from other people um, again, this can help us feel like that we're okay and that it's okay that we're like this and we can, do what we need to do to love ourselves more.
1: But you have to do a lot of that for your job. I mean, like for what you've done for the whole, not having to identify past a certain, let's say, um, point in terms of like. um,
3: Sex or gender. Yeah.
1: For sex and gender, but in -hmm. terms of like the situation. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So how have you learned from, let's say, what you know and how you, how did you bring it into your profession? I, I know I'm like doubling <laughs> 100% back on it, but it, it kind of feels secular for the fact that you're saying, you know, be accepting of yourself and your story and do what you know is best for you in terms of like how mm-hmm. you can, you know, process your own emotions and whatever you are struggling with or going through. But then we come yeah. back to exactly what you are now currently doing what you are progressing with with mm-hmm. your life and your profession you are doing nothing but like trying to help people feel accepted in themselves you are making exactly. it a little bit easier
3: yeah and i think that's how i show love to myself is that because i want to be accepted i also want to make sure that i'm letting others know that i accept them and that they should be accepted and so it, it is a double thing i'm doing it for myself as well as for others
1: that is that is beyond the most selfless kind of comment you could ever make god damn you right now uh, no, you it, know it's quite a beautiful and very profound thing to say
3: you know i think when you give to others you know when you give someone a gift that they really appreciate And that they say, oh, you know, that's the best gift anyone has given me. Or how did you know that I like that? It's because you know them um, and you understand Mm -hmm. them. And I think because I've been through such trying times and because I understand myself is that I can help understand others and give them that gift of understanding.
1: But and if you don't mind me just um, advocating for you, you do with such stoicism. You don't expect every individual who's ever going to use this um, process that you've established to come up to you and thank you or to send you a greeting letter. You do it for the simple fact that you know when you rest your head at night that someone somewhere is going to be that little bit happier, that little bit more accepted in their life, in themselves, because of something you've put in place.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. it. It doesn't always have to come with a thank you and it doesn't always have to come with um, someone acknowledging it. Um, <laughs> a prime example of that is that was a big project that I did at the Ministry of Health and I worked for someone who um, didn't really particularly like me and there was a, an award system you could get for, for projects like that. And I did not get nominated for that project um so you know but my my happiness was that it got approved and that it was it was done and that's where i gained my my happiness in doing that is that yeah. it was for beneficial for others i didn't need the the star recognition for that
1: so the accolade yeah. or the trophy yeah
3: yeah exactly
1: but you already had it you had it in yeah. yourself from the fact it was exactly approved.
3: yeah and th- and that again comes back to that: love yourself, love what you do, and love what you're putting out in the world.
1: That is, um... I'm not going <laughs> to lie; like there's a little bit of a tear trying to peek through there, and I'm like, "Stay the, b- stay back. We're almost done. You are not going to cry <laughs> on this." But um, is there any lasting advice that you would give? our listeners who may be seeking, you know, ways to prioritize their mental health to ensure, you know, that they can feel fulfillment in themselves.
3: Keep fighting the strong fight because um, it's worth it. The fight is worth it.
1: Is there any final words you want to give past this point? Besides, you know, Stuart's make sure that your audio is working, you know, when I first try and come on. <laughs> yeah, well, technical, must... di-
3: technical difficulties aside, this has actually been really amazing. Um, we're kicking off Pride Week here in Victoria, and I, I think this is a great kickoff to that. Um, so I, it's been an absolute privilege talking to you like this. I know we, we interact, you know, on Instagram, etc., but I think having this conversation with you and Um, being able to talk to everybody else that follows you as well. Um, I think this has been really amazing.
1: I'm excited for them to hear the story. And I don't think people understand as much as that, even though I try to interact with so many people, and this has been very facetious and selfish right now, is that I still see and I hear people. Even though I try to have as much communication and it might not come across that way, but even though this felt like our first proper interaction, like I've known you for quite a while and I've known yeah. you from other people's perspectives. I'm not gonna say names, but like you're a badass bitch. <laughs> Just gonna say and I, hold yeah. on, wait, I need I, I I need to do this, especially on audio. It's like you're a badass okay. bitch. <laughs> I need I need to do that click. <laughs> click
3: you gotta do the click yeah which i honestly i didn't like at first but you know what it grew to become something that i really liked about you
1: oh god (laughs) um to to end this podcast i just want to say we have had an amazing individual come up with us today so if you have listened this far friend just thank you we want to say Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being who you are. And to Tara, thank you for giving your story, your insight, your profession, your acknowledgement, and just everything about you to this episode. And someone will resonate and hear you and understand that they are not alone or that they can push forward and persevere or they can.
3: Thank you for having me on, Stuart. I appreciate it. This was amazing.
1: But what can I say is I'd kindly ask you, if you did enjoy this episode, to leave a review, a like, comment, share, wherever on social media you have heard this, whichever social media platform. What we're trying to do is raise awareness, build this community with more like-minded individuals who are passionate about the well-being of personal growth, interpersonal development. We can create a space where we can uplift and inspire one another. You can engage and be involved with making tremendous difference. And I appreciate you for that because you have done that over and over again. This podcast has grown exponentially beyond my wildest dreams. It is something I will truly be humbled for, for the rest of, for the rest of my life. (laughs) You could do something small for someone else any day. Compliment help them with their shopping, random stranger, pick up something they dropped, smile, and it could change their day for the better. Make a lasting impact. So with that, friends, I'm going to say I'm grateful you were here today. I'm grateful you are here. This is Stuart. But for now, I'm going to say a farewell, a good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you've listened to this, whenever you've listened to this. I hope your day is both well and the day you deserve